0: Welcome to another dynamic word from Pastor Ron Hammonds, Senior Pastor of Golden Triangle Church on the Rock in Southeast Texas. We're so glad you're joining us. For more information about Golden Triangle Church on the Rock Ministries, visit our website, cotr.com. Enjoy the word. Well, how's everybody doing today? Doing great. Oh, I tell you, I believe with all of my heart that today is the best day that you have an opportunity to live today. (laughs) I know, that little circumlocutious, wasn't it? But that's the reality. This is all we have. Today is what we have. And if we can get today okay, we get another chance tomorrow. And we get another chance the next day. You know, each day, the Bible says, is sufficient for the things that it contains. So we're not worried about tomorrow. Jesus encouraged the people. He said, don't worry about tomorrow. Don't worry about next week, what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, what you're going to wear. You know, well, I don't know how we do that because uh, uh, Brenda has to wash so that I can, she has to consider what I'm going to wear, I guess, not what she's wearing. But how do you do that? You end up just giving God your day. And doing the best today that you can do. For those of you on campus and those of you online, let me encourage you. Get it into your mind that God will take care of your today. You don't have to worry about tomorrow, next week, next month, next year. It doesn't mean that we should go into life unprepared. It does mean, however, we should approach life not worrying. Not being consumed with fear, trepidation. You know, anxiety. In today's world, there is so much anxiety, so much going on. But we have been given reminders. We have been given reminders by God that He has the future all in His hands. And today is one of those reminders. Today is a very special day, being the Feast of Tabernacles. What in the world is the Feast of Tabernacles? You know, that's kind of like a Jewish thing. It's kind of like an Old Testament thing. And many of us, especially in the Western Christian church, we tend to know very little about all these festivals and all these feasts that are going on, you know, all throughout the year. But yet, today is a very special day on God's calendar. Now, when it comes to the feast of Israel, uh, we see them, you've heard me say before, as dress rehearsals, that Passover was a dress rehearsal. For 1,500 years, the dress rehearsal was that the children of Israel were told to kill a lamb and to take the blood of the lamb and to put it on the doorpost of their their house and to remember that on that day... God brought the children of Israel out of Egypt, delivered them from the bondage of Pharaoh, and brought them on a journey to their promised land. It's a picture of salvation that would come through Jesus Christ. But for 1,500 years, the Jews just did it each year because God commanded them to do it. You know, there was another feast. It's the Feast of Weeks called the Feast of Pentecost. The Feast of Pentecost was 50 days later. It was the day whenever the children of Israel remembered God coming down on the mountain and there was fire everywhere and Moses went up and God came down. Wow! You know, you might can remember reading about it in the Old Testament. And each year they celebrated the Feast of Weeks which it was seven weeks, seven seven-day periods. The next day was the 50th day. That's the day the Feast of Weeks began. We know it in the New Testament as the Feast of Pentecost. This Feast of Pentecost was our Moses, you know, Jesus, going up and the fire coming down. <laughs> and the Holy Spirit coming to those hundred and twenty in the upper room you know there was a dress rehearsal for fifteen hundred (coughs) years excuse me and then there was a fulfillment Wow all of these feasts show us that one day there will be an ultimate fulfillment of something that we are told to commemorate we are told to remember each year that's what we just did here on campus for those of you that are watching online we just received communion well communion was the lord's supper which was done at passover which commemorates us you know remembering the way that jesus died until he comes again we do this Every church does, you know, some form of this to remember the way that Jesus died. The Catholics do it. You know, the Methodists do it. The Baptists do it. The Assemblies of God do it. The Nazarenes do it. You know, the Episcopalians do it. You know, uh, uh, we, uh, everybody does it, but one day it will really be done. Jesus said, I will drink this with you one day in my kingdom whoa one day one day we're going to see what we just did what we're just remembering what we're commemorating what we do on occasion we are going to literally be sitting around and drinking this cup with the lord wow can't wait well today is one of those days today is a day that the Feast of Tabernacles, it began last night at, at, at sundown. And today is this first full day. What in the world is the Feast of Tabernacles? Well, again, evidently we're at a dress rehearsal. Why? Because we're not doing this together in the kingdom on earth. It reminds us that one day... One day there will be a new heaven and a new earth wherein dwells righteousness. There'll be no more sickness, no more pain, no more worry, no more fear. There'll be no more arguing. There'll be no more, uh, you know, uh, and we will be on a new earth. Jesus will be living with us, dwelling with us. Tabernacle means to dwell with. It means like a tent, okay? Okay. We're reminded of that today because each year the Feast of Tabernacles is celebrated as we look forward to a coming time when it will be fulfilled and God will dwell with us on a new earth. I know that's kind of hard to wrap your head around, isn't it? Oh, we look back on the children of Israel and we imagine that if we had been them, we would have really understood what their Passover was about. And we would have recognized Jesus as the Lamb. No. They went through this ritual, they went through this customary tradition, they went through the activities of the feast and really never put it together. So that when it happened, you know, uh, many of them said, wow. You know, we don't even believe it. We too are going through motions on planet Earth. We are going through things that, that God has encouraged us to do without realization that one day what we are doing, what it means for our future, and one day it will unfold and happen in such a way... But it's hard. It's hard to get your mind wrapped around the fact that one day the heavens and the earth will melt away. All the elements will be gone. That the devil will be chained up. That there will be a great atonement day a great judgment day which pastor marcus preached on last week and if you want to know anything about atonement day uh you know go and listen to 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 our last week's message it was covered so great you know one day boom there'll be a judgment and then there'll be a new heaven and a new earth and and we will dwell with god and god with us and we'll get right back to what he first planned Whenever we see Genesis 1 and that Garden of Eden experience, I'm looking forward to it. But you know, so many people read it, but they have a hard time believing it. That's the way it was in the Old Testament with the Jews. They read that a Messiah was going to come and be a sacrificial lamb and give his blood for the sins of all mankind forever, but yet they didn't believe it. They read it, and they understood it, and they hoped for it, and they imagined it, and they preached it, and they taught it. But yet, it was just hard to believe. We sit here in our earth suits right now, reading the Bible about a heaven reading the Bible about a millennial reign of Christ, reading the Bible about a judgment of all evil and a putting down of of Satan and all of his demons and casting them into a lake of fire, we read about a day when there will be no more pain and no more sickness and no more worry and no more fear. We read about that day, but come on now. Isn't it kind of hard to stretch to believe it? I mean, we believe it, but, but, but I'm talking about going, yeah, yeah, that's what I'm looking forward to. Yeah, sure, all right, let's, yeah, let's do it. I mean, it's almost like that song, everybody wants to go to heaven, but nobody wants to die. <laughs> you know, we read about it, but this is the day that God has set aside on his calendar And for the next week, the Feast of Tabernacles, the Feast of Booths, this feast uh, that God has commemorated is, is, is going to be playing out with another dress rehearsal. But one day, we will step into what this picture is trying to describe to us. You know, Jesus himself went to the Feast of Passover, before He became the Passover Lamb in, 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 in earnest on the cross that day. Jesus Himself attended the Feast of Pentecost. Jesus Himself, growing up as a little boy, went to Jerusalem to the feast. He also went as a young man after He entered into ministry. And we're going to read today out of John chapter 7. And what we're going to be reading today is one of the times that Jesus went to the very feast that is going on right now in Israel. Jesus respected this moment. It's on God's calendar. 2,000 years ago, Jesus went to this as a dress rehearsal. Today, the dress rehearsal is going on in Israel. You know, uh, many of my uh, Jewish friends have built... A little, uh, you know, a little house out of sticks in their backyard, and they go out there and take meals this week to remember a few things that Jesus also participated in when he was a boy, even when he was adult. He did this. Okay. Let's 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 read in John chapter seven, and uh, maybe uh, maybe we can leave here having embraced one thing. You know, my job this morning, my goal this morning, my duty this morning is to share with you what God gave me to give you. Your job, your duty, your opportunity is to find one thing that God wants to say to you today. One thing. If you can take one thing with you. Now, if possible, take a second one so that you can give it away this week. But take one for you. That's your part. Take one thing today. You may have already heard it, you know, a challenge to believe. You know, Maybe uh, you didn't know, you never looked at these as dress rehearsals before and realization that, that they really are happening. And they really will. In John chapter 7, let's begin reading. I'm reading from the New King James Version. After these things, after what things? Well, after Jesus was healing the multitudes, after he fed the multitudes, after he had already healed one man in Jerusalem, and after his fame had spread throughout all the area, after these things, Jesus walked in Galilee. That's the northern part of Israel, the upper regions. For he did not want to walk in Judea, in the southern part where Jerusalem was and and. Uh, and uh, Why didn't he want to walk there? Because the Jews sought to kill him. (laughs) The religious people were wanting to kill Jesus. He's about mm, 31, 32 years old here. And the Jews who were religious... They literally wanted to kill him because many people believed he was the Messiah. And that was a threat to them. It was blasphemy. Even though they were teaching that Messiah would come, the thought that he actually had come was blasphemous. Isn't that interesting? We see that throughout the Word of God. How people prayed and how people you know, wanted something, but when it happened, they didn't believe it. They didn't receive it. They said no. You know, Jesus, after he was resurrected from the dead, he tried to tell his disciples, I'm really alive, and they wouldn't believe it. The Bible says he upbraided them for their hardness of heart and their refusal to believe the Scriptures. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Here, the Jewish leaders had refused to believe the very substance of all they taught. You know you can read something in the Bible and you can know it's true and believe it's true but yet have a problem imagining that it's happening to you. That you are saved that you are forgiven, that you are accepted in the very throne room of God, that you have been given this wonderful eternity, that you are a new creation in Christ Jesus, that old things are passed away, and that sin has no more dominion over you. It can be very difficult to just believe that God loves you and has a plan for your life, that He knows you, He knows your thoughts, He knows your future, that He knows the end from the beginning it can be hard for us to grasp that that's what it was here the jews knew that it was you know a season in which messiah was due but they refused to believe that the man who loved and fed and healed and walked on water was the messiah they wanted to kill him Verse 2. Now the feast, the Jews' feast of tabernacles was at hand today. It was what we're reading happened this week in history. Okay? Connect it to today. Verse 3. The brothers of Jesus, his brothers, now this is talking about his half brothers, the, the sons of Mary and Joseph. I know that in some doctrines that is woe, but the scriptures are filled with, with this truth. His brothers therefore said to him, Jesus, depart from here, Galilee, and go down south into Judea, so that your disciples also may see the works that you are doing. What works? He was feeding the multitudes. He was healing the multitudes. He was doing so many things in the Galilee. Verse 4, the reason his brothers said this, they they, they continued, Because no one does anything in secret while he himself seeks to be known openly. What are they saying? They said, listen, basically, his, his brothers are poking at Jesus a little bit. They're aggravating him a little bit. They're making fun of him a little bit. You know, no one who really wants a reputation, no one who wants to be famous does things in secret. Look what they say in the last part of verse 4. If you do these things, if, if you can really heal the sick... If you can really multiply fish and loaves, I mean, if it wasn't some trick, if it wasn't some sleight of hand, if it's not just some kind of, you know, somebody's exaggerating, if you can really do these things, show yourself to the world. Look what the next verse says For even his brothers did not believe in him. Okay, take that verse. And apply it back up to the other verses. They're just making fun of Jesus. <laughs> hey, you think you're somebody? Listen, there's a feast of tabernacles about to happen down in Jerusalem. Listen, listen, brother. <laughs> let's get here to go down there. Won't you go down there and, you know, and, and, and show yourself? I mean, come on. Nobody who really wants to be famous, nobody who wants to have a good reputation hides whenever they can do these things. Don't do these things in secret. Come on, go on down there. <laughs> if you can really do these things, go on down there and show yourself to the world. We don't believe that. And they, you know, Jesus answered them and told them, hey, look, guys. You know, basically, that's not, that's not what I'm about. It's not my time. You know, <laughs> Jesus knew that if he went down and interacted like that in Jerusalem, that he would be killed. You know, recently on our trip to Israel, we were reminded that Jesus only healed two people in Jerusalem. All the other people he healed were, you know, North of there, Samaria, Galilee. Only two people did he heal in Israel. Excuse me, in Jerusalem. Why? Because they wanted to kill him. Every time he did something there, people tried to kill him. Verse 8, Jesus said, hey brothers, listen. You go up to this feast. I am not yet going up to the feast. For my time has not yet fully come. When he said these things to them, he remained in Galilee, verse 10. But when his brothers had gone up, then Jesus also went up to the feast, not openly, but as it were in secret. Why? You know, this gives us a picture of, the, of, of, of this time of year in Israel, there was a feast Jesus was aware of it, and, it and, and what you did is you went to Jerusalem and his brothers are trying to get him to go. They're going. Everybody's going. We're trying to get you to go up there and go ahead and show yourself. You know, they were wanting to, you know, you know how brothers are sometimes. They're kind of just wanting to, you know, uh, let's see what they do. <laughs> let's see what he does. It can really be tough when people don't believe in you. It can really, really be tough when even your own family does not believe in you. Jesus' brothers said, if you can really do these things, or you know, if you can do the things that other people say you can do, if you can do the things we've heard, then show yourself to the world. But they didn't understand. They did not understand that Jesus wasn't helping people and healing people because he wanted to be somebody. Jesus was helping people and healing people because he was somebody. He wasn't doing it because he wanted to be somebody. Jesus was helping people because he was somebody. Jesus wasn't healing. He wasn't comforting. He wasn't encouraging people, trying to get to be somebody. He was doing it because he was somebody. People often make the mistake of judging others by what they themselves would do if they had the chance. Let me ask you, what would you have done if you had the chance? What would you do if you could do anything You see, that's what his brothers were misjudging him about. Because evidently, if they could have healed the sick, if they could have walked on water, if they could have raised the dead, if they could have multiplied fish and loaves, they would have wanted to have used it to have been famous. They didn't understand. Sometimes we don't understand. Sometimes we judge other people by what we would do if we were in their situation sometimes we judge other people by saying well if i was them i would do this or or if i was you know if i were you i would do this you don't have any idea what you would do you know that little widow woman in the book of kings that was encouraged by the prophet elijah and by the holy spirit to give her last meal and the last meal of her son to a homeless bum on the streets. She felt something nobody else felt. And other people could have judged her saying, I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't do that if I were you. I wouldn't do that. You know, so many times whenever we feel like what we should do, other people don't feel it. It's because it's not what they should do. It's what you should do. And what you think you would do in a situation, you have no knowledge what you would actually do in that situation until you get in that situation and then you see what God wants you to do. What would you do if you could do anything? I would hope we would do the will of God and not just do what makes us look good sound good famous in john the the seventh chapter continuing in verse 14 jesus is in jerusalem now it says now about the middle of the feast jesus went up into the temple and taught i love that you see the feast began with a sabbath and it ended with a sabbath eight days later That's the way it is today. It it, it began with a Sabbath, a Saturday. It will end with a Saturday. It will end with a Sabbath and a Sabbath. And and so uh, here, you know, the middle of the feast would be about a Wednesday. This is my plea for Wednesday night church. Jesus went up to the temple. Jesus went to church in the middle of the week. Oh, wow, that was a good one. You know, I should get some amens there. Jesus did. Now, about the middle of the feast, which would have been a Wednesday, Jesus went up into the temple and taught. Evidently, there were a lot of other people there. I think Jesus still goes to church on Wednesday. Verse 15, And the Jews marveled, saying, How does this man know letters, having never studied? And Jesus answered them and said, My doctrine is not mine. But his who sent me, look at verse 17. This is this is what we're getting out of this one. Okay. We got Jesus on the first day. We got Jesus in the middle of the of of this week. Look what he says. If anyone wants to do God's will, he shall know concerning the doctrine, whether it is from God or whether I speak on my own authority. What now? They said, how does this man know? How does this man know so much? You know, he's not, he's not been to seminary. How does he know so much? And Jesus said, well, listen, it's not me. But let me give you a secret. If anyone wants to do God's will, he will know what to do. He will recognize the truth. Oh, I love this. Let me paraphrase it. If anyone wants to do God's will, he will recognize the truth of God when he hears it. Now, if we are hedging and we really don't want to do God's will, if we've already made up our mind, if we already have our narrative down, if we already know what we want to do, then hearing the will of God is just confusing. You see, because it gets clear when we want to do what God wants that's why Jesus went to the garden of Gethsemane to pray three times he needed a clear where he needed to clear something up not what I want but what you want I I know what I want (laughs) I don't want this I know what I want I want this cup to pass from me I know what I want but I'm needing to know what you want because once I know what you want everything else becomes clear The answers get clear. Jesus said, and allow me to paraphrase again, Jesus said the answers clear up when you make the decision that you want what God wants more than you want what you want. Wow, what a great Wednesday night teaching that Jesus did in the temple. Do I want to please God? I mean, do I really want to please God, or do I just want this? What would I do if I could do anything? Well, I'm hoping I would want to please God. Well, how do I know what His will is? Well, if anyone wants to do His will, things kind of clear up. Let's look on down, verse 37. You can read the whole chapter. It's really very good. Uh, John 7, 37. You know, we visited the first day. We visited the the, the middle day. Look what it says here. On the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me at the Scriptures has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive. For the Holy Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. You know, some of the people who heard Jesus, it goes on to say, thought he was a prophet. And others said, it can't be so. You know, Here's Jesus saying, listen, if anyone wants to do God's will, things become clear. They will recognize the doctrine, whether it's of God or whether it's of a, of a man. Whether it's something that man wants or something that God wants. When you want to do what God wants, you'll recognize what God wants. I love that. That gives me confidence. That when I really do submit my life and my will and my purpose to God, then I get confident that the next step I take by faith, I am taking into His will. That the next step I take by faith, I am taking into His will. Why? Because I have made the Lord my delight and He has ordered my steps. The Bible says that if you will delight yourself in the Lord, He will cause your thoughts to become agreeable with His thoughts. He will establish your thoughts. You'll begin to think God's thoughts. You'll begin to think like that little widow woman. I think I'm going to trust him and give him a piece of bread. Why? Because I only want what God wants. I don't have a personal narrative. I'm not trying to prove anything. I don't have a dog in this fight. Your will, not my will. I know what I want, but it's your will. Things become clear. But in John the seventh chapter, verse 43, you know, Jesus said, Listen, you know, if any man thirst, come to me. And I'll, I'll give you a water. And out of your out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. Verse 43. So the crowd was divided about him. You know the crowd is always divided but the church cannot afford to be. The crowd is always divided but the family cannot afford to be. The world is always divided but believers in Jesus Christ cannot afford to be divided on this single issue. The issue is Is Jesus the Son of God? Savior of the world? Or is he just a teacher and a good man from Nazareth? Is he some historical figure that tried to show us a way to walk? Or is he Lord, born of a virgin, lived a sinless life, died an atoning death, and is coming again? And all who believe in him will have eternal life. Who is he? That was the question of the day on that last great day of the Feast of Tabernacles. Who is Jesus? Let me ask you, who is he to you? I believe it was Billy Graham. It may not have been, but I believe it was. That said, once the question Of the virgin birth is answered, the rest of it is clear. Jesus, I am not divided personally. I'm not going to be divided between my heart and my head. I refuse to be divided. I refuse to allow this world to tell me this can't be. That's what they said. You can read it. Read it. That's what it said. This can't be. He can't be. Yes, he is. The Feast of Tabernacles each year And every time you hear it from now on, remember, it is a time that reminds us that one day Jesus will set up his earthly kingdom. It is real. It will happen just as sure as He died on the cross for my sins. Just as sure as the Holy Spirit was given on the day of Pentecost. Jesus will one day set up His kingdom on the earth and He will rule and reign. And I will be there as a king and a priest unto my God because my soul has been saved by the blood of the Lamb. And there is no other way but Jesus Christ. He loves you. He has a plan for your life. The Feast of Tabernacles reminds me that Jesus will one day tabernacle with us permanently and in person. And until then, here are three things I have decided that I would ask you to consider. Number one, until Jesus comes for me or for all of us, I am not going to judge others by what I think I would do if I were them. (laughs) I'm not going to judge others by what I think I would do if I were them. I'm going to take that phrase off my list. If I were them, I'm going to take that off my list. Because I'm not and I don't know. I'm just going to pray it becomes clear to them what to do. Because if that little woman, that little widow woman in kings had to come to me, I'd have told her don't do it. And she'd have died. Let God be everybody else's God. You cannot be anyone else's Holy Spirit. And no one else can be your Holy Spirit. So as for me, I have decided that until Jesus comes for me, I am not going to judge other people by what I think I would do if I were them. Number two. With every decision, I'm going to ask myself, do I want to do God's will in this moment? (laughs) Do I want to do God's will? Because you know, sometimes we fool ourselves. The Bible says the heart of man is deceitfully wicked. Who can know it? Do I want to do God's will or do I want to do what I want to do? You know, what would you do if you could do anything? Well, if you want to do God's will, it kind of clears up what you should do. Sometimes when we're confused and we're, 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 we're wrestling with what to do, sometimes what we're wrestling with is what we want. Dadgummit. What does he want? What do you want? Do I really want what you want? I probably know what you want. You know, most of the time, I can pretty much tell God, I I know what you want, but, you know, how about this way? (laughs) Seems easier if we were to go around that other direction. Well, with every decision, I have made a commitment to the Lord that I am going to ask myself, do I really want To do what God's will is in this moment. A third thing. This is something I'm going to ask you to join me in doing. And that is uh, we must take a stand. Be Jesus specific because Jesus is the glorified son of almighty God. There's not another. Jesus. We must listen. uh, I I want to take a stand. uh, Like you know. Some of those in, in that moment at the Feast of Tabernacles, I don't want to be divided, but if I am divided, let me end up on the side of Jesus is the Son of God. He is the glorified Son of God. That's what he continues to say. You know? I want to make sure now more than ever that I stand up for Jesus. This generation needs it. Our nation needs it. Our families need it. That we stand up for what we believe. Jesus' brothers did not even believe in him. What do you believe? Are you standing up for what you believe? not being mean, not being rude, not being callous, not being critical, judgmental, not being angry and upset. I'm not talking about that kind of standing up. I'm talking about just standing up in your own heart, in your mind, in your family, in your community that Jesus is Lord and he's wonderful and he's loving and he's kind and he's caring. He's forgiving. He's the glorified son of God who paid for the sins of the world. How do you stand up for Jesus? You tell me. You tell me. Surely you got enough to figure that one out. I bet it's different every day. But I bet you get a chance to stand up for Jesus. Jesus. In fact, I pray you get a chance. With a smile on your face, with joy in your heart, stand up for Jesus. Stand up for Jesus. Thanks again for joining us for another dynamic message from Pastor Ron Hammonds. Visit cotr.com and subscribe to our social media platforms to stay up to date.